bringing it back to Banter Town. What? What? The fiftieth episode. Man, talk 50. about that. Fifty, bro. And you said it wouldn't last more than five. Our show is in full crisis mode. What? Our show would be coloring its hair if it were a person. <laughs> well, it's not like a, an episode a year. It would anything. like play a game of pickup basketball and then pull a hamstring. Right. When it right. realized it can't I even touch like the net just, anymore. I feel like we're just coming into our own. Do you? Oh, yeah. I mean, did you know that February set the record for most downloads? We'll talk about that. Wow, thank you, listeners. Yeah. Oh, we appreciate that. Curry said that last time I said uh, viewers. <laughs> I said something and I referenced our if we viewers. we have viewers, then someone has some explaining to do. <laughs> right. Because... What are you taking? <laughs> we're in a private room right now. Yeah, please. So, yeah. The was, NSA is our viewers. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you know, hey, man, it's going well. I mean, 50 is a, a long time. What do you think about that, by the way, the, the idea that... Your phone is listening to you and ads pop up after you've talked about something. Do you believe that's real? I do. Yeah. I know it is. But you but you're just going on with your life. You're not you're not willing to go die on that hill and fight about it. You're just like, Well, this is just the dystopia that we live in. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm disturbed. They've, we've been lulled into a sense of like apathy about how intrusive our government is. I think that's odd. Yeah. And I don't mean government because what happens is the government allows these corporations to steal our info and invade our privacy. So I'm, so it, the government's indirectly involved because they, they've sat back. I'm glad you started off on something so lighthearted and, <laughs> <laughs> and e- easy to talk about. Uh, I was thrown into a windowless van last night, John, and I want to talk about it. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm actually reading a book. Uh, hold on, let me get it because I forgot the name of it real quick. What if your phone texted you the name of the book right now after having <laughs> What's the name of that book? Bling. It's actually called Disruptive Witness by Alan Noble and it's uh, speaking truth in a distracted age and it's like uh, a lot of sociological research yeah. on he calls we live buffered lives and and what it's happening what happens in the distracted psyche and what it does, how like the only thing we're focused on is remaining distracted. Yeah. Like that, that's kind of his thing and, and how, so to your point, why am I doing nothing about if, if someone's listening to me and that's a problem, I'm doing nothing about it because the way we are wired right now mm-hmm. is to just do the next thing. Yeah. It's just easier to keep going than, right. than to sit in it and actually think about it and reflect and, and have, um, you know, I think there's good things though. Like we talk a lot about technology and how it's ruining our lives, but I was on a plane and uh, it's a five-hour flight to L.A. last week. And five hours is a long time for me. I'm 6'4". My knees are in the back of the other seat, usually. Yeah. I had the exit row this time, so it was pretty cool. But it's a long time to sit in one position for me. And I'm just like, ugh. So my iPad is like my savior. Because I can keep my mind on something else. I can watch a couple of shows or I can whatever. Right. I look over this guy next to me. He has prepared nothing. He has not brought headphones. He's not looking at his phone. Wow. He is staring at the back of the next seat. And I thought to myself, what, did this guy just get dropped here? Is this quantum leap? <laughs> did you not know you're going to have five hours of hell? Like, that's awful, right? Did he right? sit there the whole time like that? He did. Wow. He just, he couldn't wait for the drink lady. He was ready for that. I mean, he was just like, <laughs> I need something. At least my, my wife is on a plane right now from Vancouver to Chicago. I mean, I plan. I, if you know you're going to be on a plane, don't you plan like I'm going to do this, this. Of course, you work. Well, she just said she goes, I just paid fourteen dollars for Internet like she was mad. But the alternative, that's a bargain. Like you've right. got to have it, you know. Yeah, I'll buy it on those ones. It's eight dollars on Southwest. So she's getting ripped off. She's uh, on United. That's it's a like a small like puddle jumper plane that's coming all the way from Chicago. Oh, no. Sorry, from Vancouver to Chicago. But. No, I think that I think that the idea. And actually, the book doesn't it doesn't uh, vilify technology at all. Like he's like, look, we ha- it's it's here. Like this is what's right. happening. He's not even the, really the point of it's not even to you know what you know to to be healthier though. That's a good takeaway. He's just saying it affects the way we communicate, whether yeah. we realize it or not. In fact, he quotes he quotes a guy named Russ Paldrock, who is a neuroscientist at Stanford. Says he found that learning information while multitasking causes the new information to go to the wrong part of the brain. If students study and watch TV at the same time, for example, the information from their schoolwork goes into the stratum, 
uh, a region specialized for storing new procedures and skills, not facts and ideas. Huh. Without the distraction of the TV, the information goes into the hippocampus, which is where the hippos go and they want to learn the campus. Right? Think. They have to. It's a huge thing <laughs> a where it is school. organized and categorized in a variety of ways, making it easier to retrieve. So he's literally saying the 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 multitasking culture which technology contributes to it's it's literally causing information to go to the parts of our brain he, he goes into the whole like reward center that we're think about it when you yeah. and I saw another article this morning when you're checking your phone all the time yeah he tells this story the author's like I find myself walking through the house to just go do something yeah. that needs to be done and I have this like panic thing where oh my gosh I forgot my phone and yeah. Because God forbid I walked into the hallway for two minutes without it, I'm going to miss something. And so there's like these rewards. It's it's releasing chemicals yeah. into your kind of kind of like the likes on Facebook, same kind of thing. It's releasing this chemical that rewards you, yeah. but it's rewarding you for nothing. Like you're just you're just so you you feel like you're it's that FOMO and all those things. It's just fascinating to me that that. In fact, it was so funny. I I was reading it today. You know. What checking your phone every two minutes is doing to you? Yeah, but it was an ad on a phone. On a phone, it was like I only read yeah, this people, because people I did it phone. on Facebook. They'll be like, "Guys, get off your phones and live." Like there always be that Facebook post <laughs> randomly. Like you're on your phone. You're on your phone making sure because right you now. know the biggest audience for this post is on Facebook. Yeah. So here's the other thing I think as far as rewards that I've noticed, especially in in church culture, is um, that we. We get a little reward from setting someone straight. Yeah. Have you noticed that? Like there's something that happens in our mind where we're like, well, I at least said my piece about this. And yeah. it's like, and so I was thinking about that the other day and, and like how you can get the last word. And then I read this quote and it kind of, it, it was, it's from Rich uh, Vilodas, Viodas. I don't know how you pronounce his last name. Okay. Do you know this guy? No. He's pretty cool. But, uh, and I sent it to a friend who was posting about how. Oh, he, Rich no, Rich, no know. you don't know. At Rich Viodas or Villadas. It says, in a culture of moral outrage, antagonisms are inflamed because the end result is not shalom, but personal catharsis and the act of setting others straight. The practice of lament, however, positions us to be shaped by the one who sets all things straight. So this idea that we need to be set straight ourselves, uh, we put that away. So we, we're, we're less likely to ask for forgiveness or we're less likely to have this true lament like the Bible talks yeah. about. And because we're always like, if that person could just get their act together and right. we focus on others. And I think social media has taught us to be so others focused, not in a good way, but in a like, well, at least I'm not as bad as that person. Yeah. And it lets ourselves off the hook so much. Yeah. And I think that's what's that's really the danger to well, me. That's what Noble talks about in the book. He says that very thing, because you live at this pace, it, you don't even realize it's the way you think. It's not a pace thing. I'm, I'm, I'm oversimplifying. There's a lot of research in there. But that it causes you to be unaware of your of, of where your two belief systems are at odds with each other. Yeah, like cognitive dissonance. Yeah, he actually – yeah, I just didn't want to say the word, but that's – Oh, man. That's, cognitive dissonance it is, is a great, a great 50 cent phrase, man. He's just – like this is a great quote. So a belief in the essential goodness of humanity mm -hmm. can live quite comfortably alongside a racist super – or excuse me, a racist suspicion that certain people are inherently more prone to criminality. We are not interested in sorting through the validity of our convictions. We are just about the next thing. Yeah. And he's so right. Like – you don't have time to stop, and it, which is what lament is or what introspection is. Yeah, Con, contemplation. Know, yeah. Contemplation, having moments where you're thinking about it. Which is what that guy was experiencing on the plane for five hours, and I was like feeling sorry And now for we're him. making fun of him because he had nothing to do. That guy was probably lamenting. Like right then. And there's a great book, by the way, coming out uh, uh, about lamenting by a guy named Mark Vrogop, who is a pastor in Indianapolis who was Tyler Trent's pastor. Okay. So that's how I got connected with him and, and we talked and he it's a it's a book on lamenting, the the biblical act of lament. But the one he's got coming out next year, or he's gonna I think it's due is manuscript in like December. We were talking about it. It's about how lamenting can be a a practice mm -hmm. for racial con re reconciliation. That when the 
the different sides come together through lament, which is this introspection, this moment to stop and acknowledge like what it can do in the conversation. Because you're right. Lament takes the it it takes the focus off of others and puts it on you. And it's not just we, we don't know how to do it without it just being guilt trip. Right. Like instead of saying, hey, there's a moment. In fact, I, I was talking to Sadie about this. She's like the first one to go, I'm a horrible kid. You know, throw it all away, which doesn't lead you. actually doesn't lead you to good places either. I lived that life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Bible says godly sorrow does lead to good things. Like godly sorrow can lead you. So what's the difference between like guilt trip and then godly sorrow, which is lamenting to say things are not right in me. There are things that are yeah. not right, but grace allows me right. to acknowledge Only them. one leads to change. Right. Yeah. Only one leads me to a healthier place where I can heal from that. The other, if you just keep beating yourself up over it. it yeah, that's the other thing is the other extreme is the whole like I've seen this on internet ton, on Twitter tons. Like if you can't handle me at my worst and you don't deserve <laughs> right. me at my best, it's like I don't know about that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you need to look at yourself. <laughs> right. No, it's it's so Maybe true. your worst is really hard to live with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was that joke you saw? I used to love that joke. When you first started doing comedy, you'd be like... I'm sure it was amazing. It was, it was, on I was fa- so you good like, you right off the Facebook bat. And you see people from high school. Oh, yeah. And you're like, uh, you reconnect with all the people you knew in high school and realize this is why I disconnected from you in the first place. I forgot you were a racist pothead. Thanks <laughs> Let's do this the, again in 10 years or whatever. <laughs> lose my number. Yeah. 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 I do. I do think that, that, yeah, it, it is not afford us without, without introspection. And again, there's a, always an extreme and always a, a counterbalance. Yeah. You can become so introspective, you become self-centered, you know. Well, it's the now, I, to me, it, it, to me, I'm, I'm painfully introspective because that's it's it's become part of my job now too. That's right. the thing. But even before that, I was that way. Yeah. I, I was the kid who would sulk and and feel sorry for myself and create scenarios yeah. in my even in school where it's like you talked about Sadie, you know, when she got the thing, she was imagining what is it going to be like <laughs> when I go to school where like that was me every day. I would create these scenarios in my head and so when things didn't go just right, it was like it's like uh what's the phrase uh, paralysis by analysis. analysis yeah. That's the thing. That was me. And so I still feel like I have a lot of that where it's like I'll imagine everything I have to do to fix myself or even just a list of things I need to do for the day and because it's so daunting, I'll do nothing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Instead of thinking like in a positive way of like, well, I can get five things done today and then you go do them. You you let yourself be overwhelmed. But it's like a it happens every time, you know, if you let it. So, yeah, no, I think I think the balance between, you know, thinking rightly, believing rightly and doing rightly, the, the, those those are like where to me all of the real conversations of faith and culture happen. Yeah. You know, it's it's. If you're one who's always a doer and always moving on to the next thing, then it's it's constantly a criticism for not knowing why. You know, like we do a thing here. We may change it. We do a thing here about the golden circle. Golden circle was this uh, thing that was devised by a guy on a TED Talk. And it's about – he draws three little concentric circles and the inside one says why, the, the middle one says how, and the out one, outside one says what. His basic, basic premise is, is most organizations can tell you what it is they do. And, and, yeah. and a lot of them will be able to tell you how they do it. So what, what do we do? Well, we make, we make plastic bags. That's what we do. Like if you don't know that, then you're not an organization. You know? Well, how do you do it? Well, you know, I'm not – how many people in that organization could tell you exactly how it works? Yeah. You know, what's the structure? But very few people could tell you why. Why? Outside yeah. of, well, you know, to, to keep food fresh or whatever. But like Apple became one of those organizations that if you ask Steve Jobs why he was doing this, he would say to change the world through technology. He would have some reason. Yeah. I want to change the way people view the world. And how we're going to do that? Well, we're going to we're going to make these incredible devices. They're going to be different. And, and then what is it you do? We make devices. So, like, in, in his the whole premise is is if you work from the outside in, like most people, then your organization is just kind of average. But the ones that are truly remarkable or where places are healthy, where people want to work there, even from yeah. an employer standpoint, is when everybody on board, you know, understands the why. When everybody understands why we're here, what we're doing. So we apply that to church membership a little bit. Like, we tell you why our church exists. Because if you really go ask a bunch of Christians, 
you would hear a thousand different answers. Yeah. Well, you know, we exist to reach the lost. We exist to worship. We exist to disciple believers. We exist to encourage. We exist to, you know, there's going to be all the, and they're all good, but they're not the same why. And so therefore, you know, yeah. everybody in the organization doesn't, if you don't share it, yeah. everyone's got to share that. Yeah. Michael Jr. has a thing, uh, comedian Michael Jr., buddy of mine, he has this thing about find your why. He did a TED talk about it about finding your why and the reason that you do something. He says, like, when you, when you make your identity, the what you always end up in the wrong spot. Yeah. So like, if, in other words, if I'm a comedian, but if my identity is wrapped up in the what I do and I forget why, then you're, you're, what you do becomes, starts becoming convoluted because your mission behind it gets lost. Yeah. And so I don't know. It's deep, John. That's good. That's good. I hope they didn't do the TED talk on the same day because <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be awkward? You get yeah. up. I'm You're up next. Same concept. It's exactly. Well, Michaels was funnier probably for sure. Oh, no doubt. I don't know what's going on. I don't remember the other guy. To me, when I talk to comics, uh, I had this thought one day because I had a joke that somebody kind of lifted of mine. And sometimes it's just what's called parallel thought where, you know, it's a very – like if you write a joke about airline food or if you write a joke about the baggage claim or whatever – it's more likely to be lifted because it's just a, you know, it's a, it's a very common thing. Whereas if I write a specific joke about my father-in-law that he does this and nobody else does that, then you lift, that's like very obvious. So I try to give people the benefit of the doubt, but it panicked me because it was like a linchpin joke of mine. And I was like, Oh no. And then I started trying to like assess what I was panicking about. And what I always tell comedians now that are starting out and they're worried about burning their material, meaning like if I put all this material out in the world, is it just then gone or what if somebody takes it and then what do I do? And I said, well, and the plastic bags is a great analogy. Like let's say I make plastic, let's say I make plastic bags. Um, but if I'm just a distributor of those plastic bags and somebody takes my shipment, it's like, well, that's it. I don't have a business anymore. But if I have a machine that makes plastic bags, right. I'll just make more. Yeah. And if you're a comedian, you make jokes. Yeah. If you wrote good jokes, especially good enough jokes to steal, you can write more. Yeah. So when I've, I've tried to lift the panic of myself of like, God, if this joke gets taken. or if, I did a joke one time. I had a, did a joke and had a joke in my act forever. And then somebody did it on Weekend Update. Yeah. And it's a dumb wow. joke. It was, uh, and it's not, it was just parallel. I thought it wasn't like they were watching no, my show. No, no. I think we, this is the moment uh, we the declare accusation. our lawsuit. But it was a one-liner in my show where I said, uh, a UFC fighter came to my show last week. And he offered to train me, but I told him I'm really more of a KFC fighter. Oh, yeah, I love that joke. Right. Well, somebody did that on Weekend Update like six months after uh. I'd been doing my show. And it was this moment of, like, uh, I felt so icky about it. But then I thought, well, so I'm thinking in the same way that a famous comedian is. Right, but like, you're not getting paid in the same way. No, so. well, <laughs> you're trying to drag me down. No. Uh, you know what I'm saying, though? Like, I've yeah, tried I to you. change my mindset of, well, I have a machine that makes plastic bags, so I'll just make more. Instead of like... They stole all my plastic bags out of my garage. I'm doomed. Well, and I think a lot of it, too, has to go from a creative standpoint. I find myself all the time. In fact, when you're creative, you have ideas all the time. Yeah. But it takes a lot of work to implement them. It does. And so when someone else implements them, it's easy to get mad. It's a bummer. I'm not going to say it that still doesn't bother me. Like I told you my invention. Like I have a, oh I have, I've had a couple million dollar ideas. Have you? I have. But you've not implemented them. Well, like I have one that's being implemented by Apple now. Mm. And I tried, I really did seek it out. So I had this idea. It was my sister-in-law, my sister-in-law and I were at. Uh, you invented AirPods. Johnny, I don't want to lie, but have you ever heard of <laughs> iPhone? Have you heard of Bluetooth technology? Bluetooth? <laughs> Bluetooth is what I originally called it. <laughs> they streamlined. Arrested development fans? Okay. <laughs> um, no, I was going to. So we had this idea. It was like, I don't know, five years ago. Yeah. We had this idea that instead of using emojis, yeah. what if you made your own photo emojis of yourself? And yeah. it began to just evolve. So, so imagine instead of sending a smiley face, yeah. you have an app that takes your picture and makes your smiley face. Like you make a smiley face, a sad face, a mad yeah. face, like instead. And you would 
but it would size it, not like sending a picture, not yeah. like a not like a meme mm-hmm. or anything like that, but it would put it the same size as the right. emojis you're using on your phone. This is hilarious to me. And so you could create like like this catalog of my right. tent, and then I wanted to create this whole social network for it. Yeah. Where imagine you had the funniest you had the funniest smiley or laughing face of yeah. anybody we knew. Yeah. So then you go on and you could share it, and if it's popular, you could borrow some crazy dude's, you know, picture from Oregon or whatever. Now we're sharing, now we're setting up these networks and we would call it Memoji, like it's my emoji, you know. Oh so so it was like this my sister-in-law was in on it. She had a lot of great ideas but and you she put no funding into it, no re- no work. I met with it. an app developer. Like it was so, I went so far, I met with an app developer yeah. we had this whole idea of how we would use it for, uh, well, I have another million dollar idea. Memo- I want to share them all now. Memoji. Well, Memoji.com was already taken, of course. So then I was like going with Memoticon, like I was coming with all these different, I forget what we came up with, but it was like sizing it down. And, and when it came down to it, there was all of these, the issues were back then on a proprietary level, Apple would not allow you could you had to like create third party keyboards yeah, that you yeah. had to go download. So it's right. real comp if you wanted to do it like it's almost like using um what's the one we use sometimes? I don't know. I don't know. About. Whatever it is, you have, keyboard? you have to go copy-paste it. Like, oh, you can't okay. bring yeah, up yeah, your yeah. actual keyboard right. for it. Well, they're getting rid of all that now. They're letting you take your own picture. Like, they're using the idea. Yeah. But it's my idea. They, I just didn't get it. I didn't get it patented. But somebody else had the idea. Somebody too. else. It, they didn't take your idea. That's correct. It was parallel thought. I knew yeah. it was a matter of time. But I also knew it's, this, is, this is like retire and buy a couple houses type idea. Yeah. But I would have to quit writing books. I would have to quit pastoring, and I would have to put a few people on payroll and invest to go get this developed. And I just, I just couldn't yeah, do and that. You got to be first. You got to live in the thing that you do. Yeah. I had that idea, and I have another one too. But I mean, the other ones maybe even better. But I don't, I don't know if I Is should this say the George it here. Foreman Grill because <laughs> I think they already have that. The idea was don't uh, tell. And what if it's great? You Is know, it already happening. I think there's a bunch of stuff out there that could do it. Oh my so how about this? How about this? I'm going to see if there's a developer out there who wants to bring the idea. Like when you – you remember those those invent help commercials that yeah. come on? How do you know when you send your idea to them, they're not just going, yeah, great, that's a stupid idea, and then they take your idea? How do you know that's not happening? You know, I was helping somebody with uh, a book the other day, and they asked the same question. We submitted to a publisher, and they said, well, how do I know they're not going to take my idea? You know? Yeah, and I was brutal. like, I was like, well, they don't do that. Like that's their business. If they were to do that – you would have every right to sue, and it would kill them in court. Like that—that their business is to get pitched. Oh, no, you John. Know? It's like buy cash for gold. They send you an envelope that says gold, <laughs> and you put all your gold in it, and then you put it in the mail. Like really? That's yeah. happening? It feels like that should send somebody to your house, like with a they, gun. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like a, send the armored truck to my house to pick up the gold. My dental scrap. He's speaking of. Curse of Civil War Gold is coming back on, I saw. I didn't know if that was going to make a season two or not. Did you ever watch? You didn't watch I've it never yet. heard of it, so I'm surprised it made season one. <laughs> the Curse of the Civil War Gold? Curse of Civil John, War Gold. There's a lot of great shows on, buddy. What are you doing? It's his history channel. Oh my Do you not watch the Curse of Oak You don't even believe in curses. What are you talking about? It's not about? really a curse. They just call is it, it not? that. No, that's just like a, a branding thing. The whole show's not really about that. They're, they're, they're spinning off of the Curse of Oak Island, which that really is not a curse. Or the, the, well, the Curse of the Black Pearl. What's the if you have, have, do you not Pirates watch, of the Caribbean? Do you not watch Oak Island? Is it Caribbean or Caribbean? I say Caribbean. Yeah. Caribbean sounds like a carabiner to me. I wonder if there is some etym- etymological... I wonder if there's a reason they call those carabiners. Are they from the Caribbean? Well, that's what I'm... Are you literally wondering out loud the same thing that I'm it's wondering? parallel thought, John. Wait, wait, John, John, I have a better I idea. <laughs> you said it first. I said it first clearly, though. So I'm saying it's the first person to clearly We say have a guy it. at our staff table that will occasionally zone out. Yeah. And, and so I'm not going to say who it is, but... <laughs> you don't need to. But we will have this, like, 20-minute conversation. Yeah. And then he'll be like, oh, guys, but have you considered? And he'll say the exact same idea right. that we just... And we'll just look at him and go, bro... Like, you know, that's what we... He was looking at his phone. And now we call it a pulling his name. Like, uh, oh, I see you're going to pull a whatever. You know, it's one of those. What did you used to have, like, a pull a John? What was a pull a John? What was that? Pull a John. What is pulling a John? You, that People do that. The, I guess everybody does that. Uh, this guy's pulling a... 
We used to have a, our bass player in our band's name was Finley, and we'd call it pulling a Finley. And it usually meant to lose your temper over something that didn't matter because he had a short, he had a really short temper back right. then. He would call it pulling a Finley. He would call it pulling yeah. a Finley. And then we would say, I pulled my Finley like we pulled a hamstring. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But I went to the doctor and it's okay. I put some ice on it, yeah. some cream. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's fine now. Pulled my Finley. <laughs> but yeah, you pulling a, what is pulling a Johnny? What would be pulling a Johnny? What do you think? What's the, you can pick on me. I don't care. I, I don't know. Um, I'm so not critical. I really. <sighs> what is pulling a Johnny? You know, I've been told that people are uh, afraid to, sometimes people are afraid to be, to say anything embarrassing around me because I'm immediately going to jump on it. Yeah. Because I'm a comedian and so I'll be like, like ah, the time, Like the time like, I texted you and said up and Adam with the word Adam instead of at um. I think one time you said, uh. Doggy dog world too. I did. <laughs> like John, it's a doggy dog world. I go, did you say doggy dog? Like uh, yeah. doggy, doggy dog? dog? Yeah. yeah. That was Do you fun. think Trump says bigly or do you think he says bigly? Yesterday he said uh, Tim Apple. He was referring to Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, and he called him Tim, Tim Apple. Apple. <laughs> wow. Before Congress, I think. I think it was Wow. Like a, yeah. But when he was campaigning. It was like he had him stored in his phone. As Tim a, from Apple, and he just became – he knew that guy. You know, obviously, I don't, like, have any sort of – Like, uh, I have a T-shirt guy, and, I, and in my phone, it's Philip T-shirt, t-shirt guy, guy. And I don't know his last name, and he's filled he's not thousands listening. of T-shirt orders. Wow, and you don't even care I enough. just know him as Philip T-shirt guy. Wow. So if I ever spoke before Congress, that's what I would refer to him as, but it's less – when he, was cam- when he was campaigning above all, uh, out of all the candidates and everything, the thing even political, uh, well, yes, we, I, I will refuse to talk about politics right now, but I will say this. I was most offended when I thought he was saying the word bigly. Bigly. Like I was like, surely, surely someone is. I think he not was saying bigly. Lie. What does he say? He was saying big league. Everyone says it's big league, which is like a New York. What do you mean thing everyone say. says like that? I don't know. His people came out cost. and said His that he people. wasn't saying big. I was like, surely we have to use real words. Like, although, Bigly. although, and everyone knows this, yeah. but the word normalcy was coined during a presidential campaign by Warren G. Harding, a return to normalcy, which normalcy was not a word. Not a word. Normality would have been the correct word, but yeah. now it has been put into the lexicon because it was used. So technically when we say something's not a word, it just means we haven't used it enough to make it yeah, a word because like, we get to decide the words, Johnny. Yeah, it's like it used to be boon. And yeah. then people started calling things a boom, mm-hmm. and then boom now is what people say. But it really boom didn't used to be what it was. It was like this will be a big boon for our wheat harvest, right. this weather. Right. And now it's like remember the wheat boom of 1948 or whatever. And it's like no, it was actually boon, but whatever. Now boom is just normalized. And, and I hate it whenever something shifts and then we get corrected for saying it the way it actually is supposed to be. But culture now dictates, and you don't know if you're right or wrong because culture gets to dictate. Dictate it's or dictate. That's what I'm changing. <laughs> Or duct tape. It gets to change it if it wants to. That's how language happens. Yeah, somebody was talking about that, about the word woke. Uh, My buddy, uh, who's like a libertarian, uh, he's kind of out there politically, and he's in a fun way. Like, he's trying to get on Big Brother, and I hope he gets on. I'm trying to help him get on Big Brother. Because at the Laker game, I met the person who casts these reality shows. Yeah. And I don't care about those. Like, she cast Survivor and Big Brother, and I was like, maybe I can. So I put his name. Like, I, like I've got a friend who I was like. Did you get a response? Not yet, but he's, like, all excited now. But I was like, he's perfect for this show. And it's not because I think he's, like, normal. It's because I think he's interesting. Right. But anyway, he has all. And so he talked about that. He said woke has become this thing. of like Woke used to be, like, it's a Matrix reference. You took the whatever red yeah, pill yeah. and you realize now that this is all a charade around you and that we're being programmed to believe these things. But now woke just means like I'm hip to your cause. Right. I feel like I feel bad enough about being a white person or whatever it is, whatever woke means is, on Twitter. And half yeah. the time is used in a joking fashion. Yeah. Though. Right. Or you're, it's a pejorative. It's like, yeah. Oh, here we go. Here's somebody's these. woke. Yeah. It's like social justice warrior was, you know, yeah. forever. Like when you call somebody a social justice, warrior, it's not you, a compliment. Is that where you hang from like the door handles and stuff? Yeah. Social justice warrior. Yeah. It's a That's, different I love that show. American social God, justice. Warrior. <laughs> There's a sketch somewhere. Somebody's going to take that idea now. Well, I was hoping you'd spin off. No, no, no. That's the, Oh, and you're no, going to say sorry. something. But I, I still, we still, I still want That's that. Gonna but, be. Yeah. That'll be on SNL next week. And then I'll be like, I said that. Dang it you. doesn't matter. Right there with me, Mojo. They do write it in the moment. So do you want to know what my other million dollar idea? I don't. Go ahead. It's probably not going to happen. Yeah. 
Okay, you're going to like this. And here's the deal. Are what you I'm, really not scared to say it? Do you think I'm really going to ever go do it? But I just think it's funny. Like, my buddy said this for years ago. He said, I invented wireless headphones when I was 14. It's just I didn't have the money to put it in. It's like, yeah, but okay, just you, you didn't know, really invent. You just mm, thought, I hate this cord. My, That's not the same thing as inventing correct, wireless headphones. Correct. My idea is not. No, you have to admit on the Memoji thing, like, I, that, that, I had the idea of how it would, would work. Like, I don't know. So, but this one is also another app idea. And again, it's, it's more complicated than just, but it's simple. It's simple. The best ideas are, in fact, here's what I want to say to our, as Johnny would say, our viewers, but I would say to our listeners, if you're out there and you have something you could do to help make this happen, what I would ask you to do is to email us and to use integrity and let's do this together. Okay. Let's do this together. Yeah. I'm looking for that developer for this idea. Uh-huh. And I think it's kind of already happening in places, but so, you know, I like to run and I use a running app that tracks what I do. And so run keeper. Correct. I use run keeper. Yeah. Yeah. So I had the idea of, and I think it's happening now already. So that's why I'm not afraid to say it. Mm-hmm. What if my app would be called something like run for good? Okay. Okay. Since it's tracking you already. Yeah. And we do all these 5Ks and all these marathons to raise millions of dollars for cancer research, for a lot of other good causes. So what if instead of having an event, every day running with your app was an event? And here's how it worked. You create a campaign, okay, mm-hmm. with your app. All the technology is already existing. Like there's nothing new to make. It's just, it's just reorganizing it around this, okay? So you say, I'm going to go get... Um, 20 people to pledge a quarter for every mile that I run, that I log on my app. Yeah. You just get it to automatic withdraw, and they say, for the next 90 days, I will, I promise to pay 25 cents, maybe with a cap if you want, or a dollar or whatever. Get your, get your Nana. She's going to, you go run 10 miles this week. I'll give you $10 this week. My Nana's dead, John. Okay, sorry. And so this this doesn't apply to her then. Yeah. But, the idea would be that you get 50 people to sponsor you, and you're going to run the – here's the, the, the cooler idea. was like this. You get a company. Yeah. So say a company wants to do something where they're going to make a donation to India, to something happening in India, you know, to help children on the streets or whatever. This yeah. Is, you know, so what if you have, you know, 200 employees, and you said, guys, we're going to call this campaign Run to India. So we're going to, fig- we're going to calculate the number of miles yeah. between here and India – Instead of actually running to India, we're going to run that many miles. We're going to log it. So you bring in your run for good representative. We're going to set up the campaign. Everyone has the app. Everyone's logged in. Everyone's watching everyone else's progress. So it has all this community. It has little prizes embedded, all these things. Your job is to go out and to get 25 sponsors who say between a penny and a dollar, they're going to sponsor per mile. And we're going to take the next 90 days and run to India. And we're going to watch our progress. You can all open your app and you can see the tracker of where we are. We're in the Atlantic Ocean, right? Right now or wherever, you know, if, I mean, you may go Pacific. I don't know which way you go. But it'd be <laughs> like you set these really cool goals to like run or we're going to be the Indian Ocean, John. There you go. Yeah. You I, know, don't know, I don't know. There's another ocean now, by the way. My kid's learning about another ocean, a fifth ocean that we what? didn't have. The Southern Ocean. Yeah. No. Yeah. Never. I mean, it makes sense if we have an Arctic, I suppose. But anyway, okay. that's another story. They're rewriting the redrawing the map. But it was just a really cool idea that would that would be like, oh, think about churches, think about youth groups. Like, hey, you could do it. We're going to raise money for camp. We're going to. I got run- the name, John. All right, go for it. Go run to me. <laughs> no, that's not going to work. That's not going to. That's not too heard- much like. That's something that's like go around me. You haven't heard. <laughs> <laughs> go sounds, around. That sounds a lot like when I run. Actually, yeah, it's sad. you haven't heard another word I've said since I started talking because you've had that look on your face like yeah, you had a thing to say. I know. Funny. Well, I didn't say hungry, hungry hippocampus earlier though, and that was my earlier <laughs> 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 when you were talking about the brain uh, segments. You had such discipline. I'm sorry. What do you think? Hey, I mean, I think this could work. Yeah, like you set up. A- I do like it, and I would, I would not only do it. I think it would motivate me to run more. That's the point. And I would pledge probably as well. Yeah. If I thought, oh, this person's doing something good. Yeah. I mean, think about it. I and give to GoFundMe's a lot now. I find if they go do thirty miles, I'll, I'll, I'll do. And you could do up to ten or twenty dollars a mile if you yeah. want. And they could walk. They could run. It's good for health. It's good yeah. for community, and it's good for causes. It all. It do all you works. give to GoFundMe's, John? Have you given to those? I have given some. What What's your What's your button? What's your like? What what, what makes you go? Uh, not for me. Mm. Or I'll look and see what amount they're at sometimes, and sometimes I'll be like, I got to do this. You know what? What gets me, I think, is uh, 
I'm I'm more of a like I don't I don't need anything in return. Usually, yeah. like the best giving for me happens when I just we talked about it last. So week. you don't even want to talk about it because then you feel like you've no. I don't mind talking about your it. own horn. Like a kid's going, a kid's going to a camp he can't afford. That's what we need. Tootyourownhorn dot com. Toot We're like own. after you give, you get to push button. It goes, <laughs> <laughs> and then you feel you feel like, and it, it goes on all over your social medias. Everybody gets a notification that's this ever friended like, you. <laughs> it is every, Johnny gave a dollar. <laughs> Tootyourownhorn.com. There's your app. Okay, go ahead. So you're you're you want to feel like what now happened? Like I want to help somebody who just can't do something yeah. on, on their own. Uh, occasionally, I'll see a product or something, and I, I like a startup idea. I like that. That's you're, true. You're raising Kickstarter. Money. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I just like on a GoFundMe like a. You know, there's there's just something that can't get done unless yeah. we just have generosity. I like that. Sometimes I'll see like a dog. There'll be there's a lot of dog ones now because I follow this this uh, Twitter account called Dog Rates. We rate dogs. Yeah. And they'll they'll be that they've start every now and again they'll post like a dog who needs a surgery. Yeah. And the owner can't afford it, and this dog has meant everything to them, and yeah. they need new hips or something. This dog needed hip replacement, and I'll be like, oh, so I'll kick in whatever, but. But I, I, there was there was one yesterday that really got to me, and it was uh, Kamal Bell, who is a, a comedian, black comedian. And uh, there was this – evidently there's an African-American guy who lives in this community. And because of some weird code violation, he lived in this house for 45 years. And he was going to lose his home if he didn't pay like $45,000 in fines yeah. for some weird thing they'd recoded around the city. And uh, he was going to lose his home, and he just put it out there on his Twitter, and he has a ton of followers. And they raised like seventy grand for this guy in a day. I was like, "This is what it's supposed to do. This is cool." Yeah, yeah, I like it. I, 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 you know, it's one of those things when something good becomes so normal, you know, that, yeah. that it can be abused. I think anything that has to be that, that has effectiveness can can be used the wrong way. But because um, I do think it becomes saturated, and sometimes right uh, or somebody putting on GoFundMe or help me or. Uh, when they should just go get a job or whatever. Right. Or yeah. There's, like that's the hard part to know like what the real need is versus somebody just being like, hey, let's just put this out there. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're really working in our church to uh, – so the time's coming soon, by the way. We're, we know we've been talking about it for, for a long time, but we're not going to have a moment we take up the offering. Yeah. And it's going to be just places around the sanctuary. That'll probably be in the next month. There's going to be just places to give. We we may mention it. But we really, when we talk about giving, we want it to be about within your community as you see needs. Yeah. Meet them. I mean, that's that's more to the spirit of the early church in Acts 2, 42 to 47. You know, somebody, when you're living here with other people, when you mm-hmm. see a need, like don't come to the church and just try to get tax credit. Like go meet the need. I mean, I have zero against tax credit. I'm not saying that. But if it, but. Am I paying attention within the community to the needs that I see? Is that a normal thing for yeah. me to, to be giving? Yeah, I think it's good. And uh, I was—I think I was at a church three or four years ago, and I took a picture of this board. They have this big bulletin board yeah, on yeah, the I wall. Yeah, remember that you sent it to me. And it was just like different needs were pinned up on the wall. And like when you go to meet that need, you just pull it off the wall. It's almost like an angel tree. Yeah. Oh, that was kind of neat. It is neat. Um I mean, I, again, that I think doing it's great. I'd love it that you're already so known that the conversations are not just happening. Yeah. Sometimes a church can become just another another community in terms of I like Mount Juliet community. But I'm I'm saying, I think sometimes we the people we live with the most we're least likely to tell the most embarrassing things. Like we keep, I think I want to live a life where there's no facade. I want to live a life where you know, it, it, you know, like I got a. I got information the other day. It was good. It was it was a good piece of financial information, and my first inclination was don't tell anybody. Yeah, because I don't want to be that guy. You know that it was exciting. It wasn't a done deal or something, but there was an opportunity that could be happening that I'm just I'm just in the game on, and and it was going to be something exciting. You know to to, to think about. And my first inclination is. Well, don't tell anybody. I don't want to be that guy. It may not happen, so I don't want to let it out. You know. I don't, yeah. But. I, I realized I had I made sort of a vow, like, well, if I had a financial problem, I would call a couple guys. Yeah. You're one of them, a couple other guys in my life that I live in community with. And so the same principle has to apply, you know, that I, I got to get over my humble pride or whatever that is. Like, I need to not only share needs, I need to share moments that could be celebration. It's still not a celebration thing, 
but it, it's a moment to say, hey, this is cool. This conversation's happening. You know, there could be something cool down the road here. You won the lottery, didn't you? Johnny, I'm not going to, I'm just going to put it this way. <laughs> it's a bigly opportunity. <laughs> no, but, and so I did, I called you, you know, and said, hey, you know, this is weird, but I know that you know who I am. I know that if you thought I was, you know, being the wrong kind of guy, you'd call me on it. But I want to celebrate because you're with me in the bad times and be with me in the good. And so I think I think there's something really cool about that, that I don't want to have to go to a bulletin board, I think is what I'm saying. I think, yes, it's much better than nothing, especially if you're in a, a place where you are too big and you're struggling with that. But I don't want to hide behind it. I would rather, I would rather like, most of the time you and I give to a lot of things and it comes out of community. I'll call yeah. you and say, hey, we know, we mutually know this person and this thing's happening with their kid or this thing's happening in their life medically or whatever, you know, you interested you know, and you always say yes. And you'll call me and say the same thing. Hey, I know that there's this project or this thing. And, and those are the most fulfilling because I feel partnership with you. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like we're in this together kind of thing and, and that we both care enough. And, I, you know, I love scripture. The whole one can put a thousand to fly, two can put 10,000 like that, that exponential effectiveness of it. It's not just effectiveness. It's, it's not, it's not just, you know, one to the 10th power. It's, it's, it, we, you know, we want to make that so systematic and, and, technical i think like the principle is really cool life is just 10 times better together <laughs> it's just 10 times better it's more effective it's it's 10 times more fun when you live this way together when yeah. you're fighting together you're going you're you're going down in flames together or you're taking the the hill together like either way you know it's a better it's a better life when it's together wow this is Exponential Betterness <laughs> by John Driver. We're either going to go down in flames or take the hill, man. This is. Yeah, I used a lot of big. I just wanted to play racquetball together. I don't even. <laughs> you don't even. Okay, um, here's a great tweet I read this week that I wanted to share with you. All right, share it. Uh, it said, the year is 2019. There is no point in having a hobby you cannot monetize. Also, remember <laughs> to practice self-care. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. That's great. And so pointed. Oh, yeah. Because it's true. It's like, I can't think of anybody that I know anymore that is not trying to monetize their ho- What would have just been a hobby yeah. when I was a kid? You know, if somebody, yeah. somebody, I make these lamps. Like, I have a friend who makes lamps. And I, and now this is a bad example because he actually uses his lamps to fund missions work. So, But he makes these little lamps, and he likes doing it. And I've bought like 10 lamps from him because they're so cool. He makes them out of old cigar boxes that he repurposes, and they're super cool. They have the low-wattage bulbs in them, the big Edison bulbs. Yeah. But, like, that's a thing where if somebody got a hold of him was like, dude, you could make 100 of these, and then you could make this much money. Like, we, we're in that culture now where, like, if, if I meet a comedian who's a day trader, but they're trying to be a comedian, everybody's going to try to push him. Dude, you're not, if you're not chasing it. If you're not going full time, right. what are you even doing? You need to move to L.A. tomorrow. It's like Make the jump. maybe he just wants to do this for fun. Right. Like stop pushing everybody to monetize what is just a hobby for them. Well, everybody has an end game. I used to my friend. Uh, I used to have a friend who was an athletic director of a major SEC school and, and consultant with different people. And he had his hand and he was also in a lot of like nonprofit work. Yeah. And he and I had a conversation one day because there's a book I'd love to write called Whatever Happened to the Renaissance man. Like there was a a day in time where being multifaceted and having your hands in a lot of things was good. And when you look at David, I always look at David. We talked about this before. You always look at David. The dude's like a fierce warrior killing tens of thousands. Okay. Playing the harp. Taking, taking down Goliath, like the warrior. He's also a musician on the side. He's playing harp and writing songs. He's also an agrarian. None of the songs rhymed, though. Let's yeah, be real. That's true. That's true. Okay. I don't hear. I don't hear a radio single. Well, that's true. His hook usually was buried about <laughs> too far into the song. Yeah, he needed it. His shepherd's hook. Is, we're like we're like five thousand years late <laughs> criticizing David's songs. I don't hear it, David. I just don't feel like. I don't know. That, that I'll take a meeting with him, but I don't. Minivan mom's going to struggle yeah. when you start with this. Isn't that true? Oh. What would today's Christian radio? say about like David's songs of lament where he's talking about his sin is ever before him and my sin has found me out like there's nothing like Look, that on I Christian legitimately radio. had a book turned down by a publisher the other day because the story was the guy committed a pretty big crime yeah and they were afraid of of how people would feel it's 35 years by the way later yeah they were afraid how people would feel 
about him making money off the book or whatever. Now yeah. there wasn't a lot of money to make and all those things, you know, and I got exactly what they were saying, but I thought to myself, you guys wouldn't publish a book by Paul. Yeah. I mean, he was a terrorist in their time. That's he was true. literally locking up time. Christians, women and children, killing people just because but of then, their faith. And what would happen is he wouldn't get a book deal, but they would give it to somebody who'd been on survivor for 15 minutes. <laughs> right. They would be like, well, this guy's got a platform. And I get it though. I mean, and I love that publisher and they were, they were, I don't. We actually I don't worked. even know who they are, but I don't love them. Well, they wanted to offer you a deal, Johnny. That's why I came on the air in our 50th episode. I've shot you. myself in the foot again. And we have them on the other side of the door right now. <laughs> and that person is here. <laughs> but, I mean, there is legitimacy to what they said. I'm just saying it, it, it yeah. was like how, how far is too far to say anyone who you listen to scripturally, like David or Paul or whomever, yeah. was not qualified. In fact, I mean, with, they had heinous things in their past or in their present at times. But uh, – yeah. It, well, there, it does complicate things though when you talk about the money thing, and that's to the point of the tweet of like, I did when I started doing comedy. It was just to see if it could be something I could do for fun, and it was like this I could be good at this maybe. Yeah. And I I wasn't necessarily thinking of like I'll be famous or I'll be rich or what anything. I just was like, then I started thinking, what if this could be my job? Yeah. And then. Once and then you just keep ratcheting up this thing of like you, you almost get pushed that direction. And sometimes I do feel like it if you're not careful, it can take the fun out of it when it's like I, now because now it's my job to replace my old hour. Yeah. And so when I think of something funny, I'm like, that could be three minutes. Yeah. I'm thinking of it like it's. You know, like oh, it's something to get yeah. me further down. The, that could be three minutes on stage and that could, that could buy me some time. And, uh, it's like, I'm dying, but I need this to breathe instead of being like, Hey, I, I'm making enough money where this is this thing that I get to do. That's fun. I get to make more things. I make enough money now where I can get, to, I get to make more things. Instead. It's like, I gotta keep making things or the money's going to run out. Well, you know, and then see people almost like you begin to feel like that there's not a purity anymore to your yeah. craft, you know, and that I went through that real hard time as a preacher and as a writer, like every idea I had was a book or a sermon, yeah. you know, in my mind. And I really struggled because then I felt, well, what, you know what, this would just be for me. And, um, I remember I read a scripture, not that it was in this context, but kind of, I don't know, for some, for whatever reason it, it, it hit me, uh, where God told, <sighs> I can't remember who God told Johnny. I'm sorry I wasn't prepared for this. It really this. Touched, deeply touched it, you, it, clearly. It I feel like it was New Testament and Acts, though, for some reason, that God whispered and said, the, the things that I'm going to tell you in secret, I want you to proclaim from the rooftops. Like, I, I remember that scripture. And and it wasn't, it was a, like, I, to make peace with the fact that, look, this is what I do. Everything's not going to make it to a book or a sermon, but it's okay that, that I make books and sermons, and it's yeah. okay that something that that moved me this week is something I also share on Sunday. It doesn't ha- it doesn't have to be either or. Like I don't have to be the guy that sits like a hermit, you know, and can't enjoy yeah. what I'm experiencing. Now I don't need to be the guy always trying to craft it into that format and make it alliterated and all those things like be real, be raw, share what's happening in your life, and it's okay and enjoy it. You know, and to that point, I think. Also being varied, there are things that happen that don't fit and that sh- and that shouldn't. Um, there are that Renaissance man idea, like there should be a um, a wholeness to life that, yeah. you know, sometimes I go play racquetball. You know what I'm saying? No, I don't, I, but don't, that's what you're saying should happen. Would. Yeah. Johnny's not, really on me about racquetball right now. I'm going to. It's fine. I'm going to do it. We were just talking about the next week. Yeah, you gave me some date that's like three weeks from now or it was something. Two, I can pencil you in you for said, let's the take, 15th of May. You said, let's take our calendars and plan look? something. And then when I take my calendar to plan it, then you get offended that I'm taking my calendar out. Like, God. which one is it, Johnny? Do you want it to happen? I hate your calendar God. so much, John. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I can't just go willingly like some people and go play racquetball at all hours of the day. Uh, it's fine. No, I know what you mean. Here's the thing I was talk- I was thinking about the other day because I was talking to another comic, a buddy of mine, and he was talking about how it's been kind of an emotional year, and he's kind of trying to reconcile this idea that he's been doing this 20 years, and he's not, like, famous. Right. And I was like, I read this article the other day with Conan O'Brien, and he was talking about how he had a conversation with Albert Brooks, who's just this comedy luminary. If you know anything about comedy, Albert Brooks is, like, a legend. He's done movies. He's done TV. He's done film. He even did stand-up for a time. And... He was talking with him. He said, you made these moments in movies that are like, they'll live on forever. And Albert Brooks said, no, they won't. He said, in 19, I can't remember what year it was. I think it was 1941. He goes, in 1942, uh, 
Clark, the, there was an article written uh, in the Hollywood Reporter that said Clark Gable is the, the, the celebrity of the 21st century. He goes, when's the last time you've ever thought about Clark Gable? He goes, we're all going to be forgotten. Yeah. You'll be forgotten. I'll be forgotten. He goes, it's fine. And he said, it should have bummed me out. But he said, I walked out of there floating on air. The idea that oh, yeah. there wasn't a permanence. Because I, and I think that's some of the what I've been given in, in church culture. Like we grew up in evangelical culture and, and more specifically Pentecostal culture where every moment is this ordained moment. And if you don't do what God called you to do, it just won't get done. Yeah. And you'll have this thing hanging over your head that you walked out of the perfect will of God instead of this thing of like, go be God's ambassador somewhere and just do what you're supposed to do. Use your gifts. But there's not this thing of like uh, eternal transcendence to every moment and every decision. And you, if you let yourself off the hook to make mistakes and create and do yeah. dumb things sometimes, yeah. I think there's a freedom in that that's even better. No, I agree. Like live your life in a way like I always I always say this I want I want if people were to see my giving for them yeah. to assume this guy must be rich like I want to give like a rich man I may never be a rich man but I'd like for the reflection of generosity when you looked at it for you to make that inference that means that I I live generously and I want when my stories when I talk about what's happened in my life I don't feel like I'm living always that great adventure life but I really am like, it's so funny. And by the way, I got to, you know, we always get this point. My, my poor mother, you know, we laughed. So we made a joke last week on the podcast about me eating ice cream since birth, you know. And I was like, thanks, mom. <laughs> my mom did not feed me ice cream at birth. Oh and she loved me very much. And she was laughing, you know. She was like, oh, you, you know, your mom, you know. And so anyway, my mom was the best mom and still is <laughs> in the whole world. Just didn't make sure she understands that. And so, and, but... But I, but sometimes my mom, you know, will will say because because I'll I mean I have I have traveled a lot in the last six months. Mm -hmm. I'm going here for this thing and here for this thing and here for this thing and and you know mom will just mom will talk to me about my life and she'll have this this um, positive thing about like wow what what an adventure you did this with this and this with this and I'm just kind of living in the stress of the adventure yeah. sometimes you know. Uh -huh. And, and and I'm usually comparing my adventure to someone else's. Right. And it's not, well, yeah, but I wasn't going to do this. Or I wasn't going to. And and I go, you know, what? I should live my life when I'm speaking as if when people hear about it, that it's the, and I'm not, try, I'm not trying to, to turn this into a motivational meme. I mean, from a kingdom perspective, like I am living an amazing journey. And if if what I say is not, producing that in you, then I need to talk about yeah. why, like, why is it that, why is it that my daily life is not something that when someone hears it, they go, wow, that's, that's cool. Look what's happening with you because it is, Yeah, it's just that perspective of it. So I think you're right. There's that living in the moment. I want people to, if you really think about it, Johnny, we've lived like these full, like very, very full we're literally now 50 episodes in of just telling stories, <laughs> mostly just telling stories of hilarious or, or crazy things that happen in normal life to us. Yeah. And we got to experience it together. You know, we learned about God through the journey. We've done some good through the journey, but beyond that, we've just been shown this grace and we've get to grow. We get to make mistakes. We get to be creative. A lot of people don't have the opportunity to ever get to get to be creative. And you go, no, that's that's good. And a man, like you said, who could take that pressure off. Like I, I'm really no, I don't really need to leave a legacy of me. The legacy of the kingdom is going to be left with or without me. I get to be invited. And I, you know, one more thing, I shared with you one time. I wrote in that long book I referenced last week that never got published. That there was this idea. We talk about glory, mm -hmm. and we talk about it's a real Christianese, you know, faith sounding word. All glory to God. You know, if you heard it once, you heard it a hundred times. And it sounds as if the way we say it, like, look, don't keep money for yourself yeah. because all glory needs to go to God or else something's wrong. And it totally bypasses the heart of God because here's the deal. All glory is going to God, whether you want it to or not, because glory just means light. In fact, in heaven, there'll be no sun. God is the source of light. God's there. 
God is the one who said, let there be light. Like the sun's not the source. Like right. Light, God is the source. He put different things to reflect this light. But the true nature of, of seeing yeah. and light is actually emanating from him in all things. Yeah. And so there is no like when you say all glory to God, like it, bottom line is you're just agreeing with what's already happening. Yeah. Like you, you can go try to keep it if you want to, but you can't. But what the gospel really does is, is God invites you to be a part of the glory. That's why transparency is so important. Like if I get to be the one on Sunday who gets to share about the gospel, the glory is going to God with or without me. But if I'm transparent enough, I get to be in the middle of it. It shines through me to him. Like it doesn't stop at me. The problem is, is, is when it, I try to stop it with me and block it and I'm not yeah. transparent. I don't show my weakness, my brokenness, all those things. And I, but yeah. if, I, if I can be transparent, like I don't have to pick all glory to God and all this, this false humility, never able to take a compliment, never able to enjoy an experience, yeah. never, never able to have a victory. Like actually I should be able to feel those things and rejoice in those things. And I'm still struggling with that because if I'm transparent enough with it, then it's going to him anyway. He just let me be a part of it on the, on its way. Yeah. It's almost like, I think we talked about this before, not on the air, but like, it's like the cracked pots, the jars of clay. Yeah. Like we're made to be uh, a container for this glory, but it's not, we're not supposed to hold it. Right. Like if you're really broken and you're really the, this cracked container that you're supposed to be, it'll run out anyway. You, it won't be like something you intentionally do. Yeah. You know? So if you, ha- if you see somebody and they look like they have it all together, they're probably containing all the glory for themselves. Right. Because they, you know what I'm saying? It's the broken people that really you, you see in them, you go, okay, well, that's not of them because there's no way. There's something about that, about being broken enough to like let the, that's the, that's that's a book in itself, John. Well, that's, the be- that's your next book. And the best stuff flows out of the broken spots. Mm. Out of the cracks. Like you know the games we play with kids? We always laugh when we used to run these realize and stuff outside. The most fun games are the kids where you take a bucket or you take a cup and you put yeah. a hole or a crack in it and you fill it up and make them run with it. It's always leaking on them. Yeah. They, don't, they don't want to run around with a bucket with no hole in it. Yeah. Like that, that's not fun. It's, and I think that there's something exciting about people who can have that that brokenness, you know, that something, something's coming out of there. I can yeah. talk about this and the world doesn't collide because I understand that, that that's what it says in that scripture. The excellence, the excellence is not of the vessel. It's of what's inside. And so unless that ever gets poured out or comes out in some form or fashion, we sit here looking at these old pots acting like something's spectacular about them and it's not, you know, it's what's inside. Go ahead. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, you're right about the camp games. I think, uh, yeah, and the, the, to point out the life, like we we spend our life generationally, from generation to generation, we try to pass down a better world, an easier life. We yeah. talked about this a little bit last week, but it's like when you read a book or you watch a television show, um, like whenever I'm watching a show now called Justified, and uh, it's like a mod, it's like a modern day western almost. This guy's a U.S. marshal. Yeah, yeah. And there's all these weird, conflicted anti-hero characters in it and these drug dealers and stuff. And, like, he'll get into these weird messes, and and I'll feel like myself tense up for him. But then I'm thinking, this is why I watch. this. They have to create tension. If you ever watch a show and it's just about a family that just goes along and gets along and they just – Right. The the conflict is where the interesting comes in, and yet we spend our whole lives trying to avoid, like – I want to make sure my car never breaks down. I want to make sure I never have to like touch a stranger or be involved in where I need help from someone. So I'll make sure that I have everything I possibly could ever need because God forbid I have to stop and ask for directions. I've got GPS on my phone. We've worked these things out of our lives. And it's like when you hear people tell stories, they're almost always like we got so lost in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We had to ask this guy for directions. And it turned out he was this guy. He'd been living on the streets, but he knew the roads. And he, and then but you get into this story. It's like that's a story we'll never have right? because we've insulated ourselves from interesting lives in many ways. Now, again, maybe the homeless guy stabs you. So I'm saying it, <laughs> it's not always good. Sometimes you need to insulate your – I'm not it saying go out, awesome. go out and like buy shoddy tires so they blow out so you'll have an interesting life. But I'm saying – there's, it's like we throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's like when you take antibiotics, you know. Yeah. This is something we're learning now in science. When you take antibiotics, one of the things it does is it kills the good bugs too. Yeah. And so you have now we have to we have people that take probiotics. They eat this yogurt so it replenishes the good bacteria in your system because it keeps a healthy balance. It's like we threw out some things in our culture 
that are making interesting people. And so we wonder why everybody's so bland. Like uh, there was an interview with Dave, uh, Adam Silver. I'm jumping all over, but Adam Silver did a uh, commissioner of the NBA. He was talking about the modern NBA player. And he said, I'm seeing a lot of depression in these millionaires. He said, and I think it's because you look on these team buses. They're all looking down at their phones. They have headphones on. And Isaiah Thomas said this about the bad boy Pistons. He said, championships are won on the bus. Yeah. And he was talking about this camaraderie and this family that you this, that you generate that, because you're bored. You're driving six hours or you're flying six hours back home after a bad loss. And those conversations you have, that's what makes you a team. And I think we've insulated ourselves somewhat. I don't know. It's just a lot. No, I think that's really good. I do think that we try to mitigate the things that might bring you know yeah. depth to life. Uh, you know, I used to say it's a little cheesy, I know, but. I think it, it works. It's really hard to pick up hitchhikers in the fast lane. Like there's been many times I've seen someone broke down the side of the road and I really, really want to help, but I'm on the interstate and I'm doing 85 in the far yeah. left lane. And I go, oh, I would. And there's nothing. Like I've gone now half a mile by the time I figured out I wanted to do something. Yeah. So that my pace kept me, even if my desire was good. I mean, sometimes I'll try to back up, but that's dangerous too, or go around. But Johnny, let's not focus in on the detail here, but <laughs> but the principle. Did the... <laughs> Look at me, like, did the Samaritan back? Did the, did the priest back up for the? Sam, I don't remember oh Samaritan with the guy in the. I don't know. But I mean, I think I think it's so true. Like that. That I mean, you don't go seeking hardship, but it is such a. And I know it sounds so cliche, but but you're right, and it goes back to that previous conversation. We seek comfort. Yeah, and like to the detriment sometimes of a full life. Yeah. You know, like, uh, uh, who is it? Um, Steve Jobs has the the home where... Don't you mean Steve Apple? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, not Steve Jobs. Uh, who's the Microsoft? Bill Gates. Bill Gates. So Bill Gates, his home is this thing where you walk into the room and it literally is programmed. Even with his friends, he's got these settings where if he knows they're coming over, when they walk into a certain room, their favorite music comes on. Their favorite paintings appear on the wall. Uh, a lighting setting that he has set just for their comfort. The air goes to a certain temperature. And it's like, that's all great. And now we're experiencing that in our own homes where we have Alexa. We can just ask a question to, or we can have it lower the volume on our TV. And somebody posted on the TV, on the um, uh, Twitter the other day, it's like, the kids today will never know the experience of going to the bathroom on commercial break and like peeing as fast as you can and hearing your buddy scream from the, the couch, it's back on. And you right. run, you hurdle the couch to barely make it back in time to see the next thing. It's like, that's true. That there, that's it. There's a richness to that. Yeah. That Sadie will never experience because she just pauses it. Well, you get to dictate life now. Yeah. Some of that, some of that's in that, that distracted age book that there was a time we now, and, and it's, it, it's moved into theology and belief systems and all of it. We really do feel because we get to, we get to decide now when our food's made and when it comes to yeah. our house. And we get to decide when we're going to watch the show. We get to decide if we watch the commercials or not. We get to decide everything. And so now we get to decide too, if that, if, if that particular truth is for us or not, yeah. like, you know what, gravity, I'm not sure. You know, gravity's just not for me. Like there's no app. There's not an absolute to the truth. Now we feel we feel okay saying, well, that might be a good truth for you yeah, or a good absolute for you. But you know what? I'm not sure I buy in to seatbelts or you, know, you pick anything like we, we feel this, this ability without knowing it to, to get to, to almost like customize yeah. all experiences. And what does that mean? When you customize, that means you have the resources and you have the opinion to decide what the best way this is to fit you. Yeah. And 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 I'm, that's not all bad. I know we're like taking it to its nth degree, but I do think there's a time in life to go. Like I like a manual transmission. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I like that. I like having. Not me. A, I like automatic transmission. But that, I see what you're saying. I like to shift through the gears. Yeah. I like to you know. Well, there's a comedian, uh, gosh, I can't remember his name, Stuart Huff. Stuart Huff talked about in a documentary I saw about comedy, and he said, I drive everywhere that I possibly can. I make enough money now I can fly. He goes, but these comedians are flying over the funny. Yeah. He goes, I go to every small diner, and I just take my pad, and I just listen to what they're saying. He goes, there's stuff hanging on the wall that's yeah. in my show. There's, he goes, I would fly over all that. All I would see is airports and hotel rooms if I lived the way these other comedians live. And he's got a point. Yeah. We fly over the funny sometimes. No, well, you know, I'm 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 uh, 
been taking notes in OneNote for Volume 2 of Endorsement yeah. if that opportunity ever comes. And it really is like I have taken pictures just walking through life when I'm thinking about that. I can't yeah. tell you how many pictures of bathrooms I've taken. I took one two two days ago. Just, oh, this is ridiculous. Well, look where they installed this or whatever. And, or look at this hilarious, you know, just the kind of things you see yeah. or going to Costco you know, just keep yeah, keeping your eyes pay open. attention. Right, look up. Don't don't put your headphones in. Keep your eyes open. Okay, and I'll leave you with this because I know we got to get out. But this is this happened on my. I have an HOA. You don't have an HOA. My HOA has its own Facebook page, and people will post things. This is on my HOA Facebook today. Two things, neighbors. One, anyone know what sound that was a moment ago? <laughs> like an engine being revved or an insanely loud plane. Number two, anyone know? Local somewhere to get elderberry syrup. <laughs> Those two questions were asked side by side on a Facebook post. Wow! See, if I had just you can't just look over stuff like that. That's there for you. Yeah, this person thinks that the end of the world might be happening. She heard a horrible noise, but also is like, I need something to sweeten my coffee. <laughs> Can we handle both no, of these? No, elderberry is like a is like for your immune system. Syrup? Yeah. No, yeah. I'm not talking about essential oils. I'm talking about she no, wants elder, to, elderberry. Elderberry is, is delicious. John. No, elderberry. Elderberry is, is it bitter. In, is in that essential oil world. It's it's a uh, like antioxidant. Well, whatever she needs it. Maybe it's because she hears noises too loud. Is that is that part of the thing? I don't know helps? if that helps or not. You know, but <laughs> I was a, actually raised in a homeopathic home like we we did all of those sort of uh those you know mom and pop type solutions and we were taught at an early age <laughs> to respect your elderberries <laughs> somebody Ooh, underneath somebody underneath saying. i posted it on i posted a photo of it on my facebook and i deleted the person's name or blurted out you know so i didn't want to shame the person but it's just funny to me and somebody posted the sad thing was the noise she heard was the elderberry truck pulling away <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Oh, I love it. Beautiful. I love it. Well, hey, good episode today. Episode 50. It's been fun, Johnny. Five oh. Yeah, and this is when we're quitting. Um, yeah, we thought we had a good run. Nice time to it's time for us it. to go get a convertible and yeah, yeah, start dating, a, dating a younger podcast. It's <laughs> <laughs> way out of our league. I didn't know where we were going with that. I don't like, either. Drive over a cliff? Are yes. we Thelma and Louise? Uh, hey, listen, uh, Thank you, guys. You have been sharing. We actually had questions we didn't get to today. We'll get to them next time. Uh, and But, man, keep sending us questions subscribe, and sharing. Subscribe. Review. Yeah. Get your friends to listen. We had the highest listenership in February yeah. uh, in the history of the podcast. When you review and give us a rating, it helps the algorithm push us out to further people who don't know about us. Yeah. So do that. Yeah, because at this point in time, we we talk about having not having sponsors, but that's actually true. We don't have sponsors. So we would love to have sponsors. We're doing all this on our own. And so your word of mouth and social media, those kinds of things are – all that bad stuff we said about social media doesn't count yeah. for this. Like no, we want no. you to pick up your phone, be distracted, and share this with as many people as possible. Be not – be just – Even be, though your headphones are in right now and you're ignoring the person next right. to you, maybe on a plane. Yeah, you can do that for a few more seconds as yeah. you go and share this. And do our bidding. Right. And then after that, listen to what we said so but it always is a lot of fun johnny and uh we're gonna keep going and excited to uh, be a part of, of having the real conversations in real life so it's a lot of fun so all right thank you guys share we'll see you next time on talk about that I'm Don Hawkins, inviting you to be encouraged with my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You. To subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.